0: Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. And any lethargy that you may hear in my voice is because... We're kicking off the week with a recording first thing on a Monday morning. It's uh, it's 8.30 on Monday the 16th of uh, May to give you some context whenever you are tuning in to this podcast from. And uh, it's not often that the studio is set up and running at this time on a Monday morning, I can tell you. But as always, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure um, to welcome the guest that I'm about to bring on screen uh, and into the podcast in just a few moments time. Somebody who you will know from previous episodes of The Event industry. News podcast, and indeed, if you have been a visitor to either the in-person or the virtual event Tech Live, a name that you'll know from our friends over at Conference Compass, Mr. Yelma van Aast joins us from uh, from Amsterdam, I believe this this morning. Certainly from the Netherlands, Yelma. A very good morning to you, first of all.
1: Good morning, James.
0: Uh, a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, hopefully I'm right in saying that you're uh, you're over in the Netherlands, aren't you? Joining us this morning? Absolutely. Actually, from the Hague. Close enough now, to uh, to from, Amsterdam, from that, like Amsterdam from, south. Uh from the Hague no no a, a beautiful part of the world for anybody that's been over to there and um and as I said a very good morning to you i great to have you back on the episode and uh talking talking about event adaptability today um for, for those who have uh, you our podcast followers who maybe have not tuned into an episode that you've been on before let, let's have a little bit of a recap first of all about Conference Compass so that our podcast listeners can uh, can get a feel for what it is that you guys do over there
1: yeah absolutely so, we're Conference Compass. We we have been in business now for almost twelve years. Um, I've started this company in twenty ten, and uh, we've focused from the very start on event technology and, in specifically, uh, specifically, uh, mobile apps for conferences. So, focusing on the kind of events that we very well understand because we, me and my co-founder at the time, um, were scientists ourselves, and uh, we were visiting many many conferences. Uh, where the traditional, you know, one directional presentations with minimal mm-hmm. engagement, minimal interaction was just a standard. And we set out to change that. I think with success, along with others in the industry, seeing how event tech has evolved, evolved and became such a, such a part of uh, of what we do today. Well, then obviously with the pandemic, event technology became sort of the foundation of events to be able to run at all. And we've um, made, been able to, uh, to make that switch uh, together with our customers to uh, to allow them to have uh, fully in-person, uh, well at the time online conferences and and, and events and now transitioning back to uh, to in-person conferences. So we've been um, evolving as well as an uh, as an event uh, tech company uh, and as a set of people. You know in our in our in our team uh, adjusting to the situation and uh, adapting ourselves to uh, 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 in the way we work and the way we. Um, develop our technology in the way we serve as our customers and it's the yeah that adaptability and i believe how this can apply to uh to the event industry as well it's it's really something that fascinates me and and yeah like to talk to you about this
0: podcast, and you say you know it, it fascinates you, and something that really jumped out to me there as you were speaking was was when you were talking about being a scientist, and I know from your for anybody who who looks on your LinkedIn profile will see, I think that that it said that you were you were studying for your PhD, you know, a, a decade or so ago, I think it was, mm-hmm. and um. i, I that really jumped out at me when you said the word scientist then, because it, it has very much become a scientific process, hasn't it? Um, the, the, world of, uh, of event technology, you know, and you know, when you, when we look at the amount of data that the technology we have available to now, to us now in the event industry, the amount of data that is output from these platforms, the analysis that we can do on that data and the conclusions that we can, can draw or discount, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to use a sort of science term, you know, what, it is very much a scientific process now, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I like the way you, you, you said that. I actually, I'm, I'm not sure if I ever realized it that, that way, but you're right. I think for, for science technology for scientific, you know, anything, um, it's data, it's modeling and it's, um, systemizing, I would say mm-hmm. just, um, uh, just like that. So it's, mm. it's not just data. It's also, um, uh, building a model of, um, of, what let's say how the world works and in our particular case how event technology we believe can you can be used to increase engagement at events so we Mm. sort of build this model with our assumptions and then there's the data that we collect and use to test those assumptions and draw conclusions and what's really really important there is to keep your eyes and your ears wide open and to listen and look uh, honestly at what's in front of you. To mm. not pretend that you know, but to uh, to really question yourself and the, and the data and your assumptions all the time. I think that's what science is, should be at least. And it's also something that we're trying to do and that we're, we firmly believe that the event industry um, needs to uh, embrace in order to, uh, to develop better events, to, de- to develop events that people, their attendees, their specific target audience... Uh, is longing for to attend and is Mm. getting the value out of that they uh that they that they expect that they Mm. need
0: and i I may be going not off topic as such but on a slightly a slight tangent this morning because the science thing has really sort of got my brain even at this early hour on a monday working and um i may be getting far too too clever for my own good here but you know good good science and a good um study you know always has a baseline you know something to to uh, that you can you know look at there's your baseline and and the results and what you are analyzing you know is all is all based on on, off that baseline and um it strikes me that in the events industry just thinking about it in that sort of way the way that technology is developed and the way that we have used it in the events industry everyone will have a slightly different baseline so nobody's results are going to necessarily be accurate for for another one event's results will not necessarily be accurate for another event that's why we have to have this adaptability built into our technology now because we are working with events and with clients all of whom have a slightly different baseline when it comes
1: to you know the results that they want to see absolutely i think it's um it's tempting perhaps to um especially if you come from a from a place of vulnerability and believing that you know you don't have all the answers and everyone else seems to know all the answers. And as an event planner you may feel overwhelmed thinking, okay, like I'm I guess I just take that as a fact. Just read mm-hmm. those blogs, see those smart people talk about it. That's probably the way it is. Let's just do it. I'm not sure I fully get it, but let's just go on. <laughs> um, and I think that's you know that's not that is wrong. <laughs> but yeah. it's super Logical and it comes out of out of like I said a place of vulnerability and 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 and, and perhaps being uh, driven by the by the fast moving train of having to push your event and meet your deadlines. Yeah, I think it's always good to take the time, even though you may think you you don't have the time to take a standstill, to mm-hmm. take a step back, uh, to open up, involve your peers, your stakeholders, your teams. Uh, and to start with the foundational question of what are our objectives? Perhaps mm. even what is our target audience first? And mm. what are our objectives with that target audience? And what are our core values as a company in our case, or as an event planner or association? Uh, and how can we straight stay true to what we believe and deliver? Uh, and what are our objectives with that target audience before we even start thinking about the the what and the, and the how, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, uh, like your, 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 your line of questions triggered me to go in that direction. I think that's fundamental. Mm -hmm. And that's also, I think what, if you look back now at successful events and companies that, that strive throughout the pandemic, um, I think it's all about the companies that managed to, um, adapt Mm -hmm. and managing to adapt means all of that, you know, questioning your assumptions. Looking at, discovering and t- discussing where you where you want to go, looking at the data, not shying away from the conclusions, mm-hmm. and then take it from there one step at a time in an in an agile way. Don't pretend to know everything at once, but just take it one step at a time and keep testing your assumptions by putting them out there and seeing what uh, what comes out of that.
0: And and when I think back pre pandemic and maybe not immediately pre-pandemic but in you know maybe going back a decade events that ran in a live situation that were maybe just starting to consider a new term that they'd found called live streaming you know a decade ago if we think of events as they were in their traditional sense 10 years ago 15 years ago um event organizers would claim that they are adaptable every year they would say oh yeah we're doing things slightly differently we're going to change this area of our event or we're going to change that area but really they were there were subtle tweak tweaks that they were making to their probably already successful event and actually being adaptable was not maybe the case They, they were just refining on a year by year basis. The landscape has changed massively now, hasn't it? It's not just about events having been adaptable in the last two years, but they now have to build in an ongoing level of adaptability, knowing that year to year their audience may change. Their percentages between live and and their online audience, if they're running a hybrid event, is maybe gonna swing mm. and move along a, a you know a sliding scale every year depending on what people's commitments are Built, building that ongoing adaptability is something really that i think is um is is key both for the
1: the organizers and their tech partners mm-hmm. absolutely adaptability is needed when the world around you changes so if the world around you uh, is is um is it a plateau it's just not changing it's what it is mm-hmm. then uh, you you're probably right to think you know we have something good going on here let's not change it change adapting things then is a is a risk will likely lead to a worse outcome sure you've reached a plateau along with you know along with the world around you the moment the the world is no longer in a plateau but' emotion is changing uh, and clearly mm. the world has been in a big you know in emotion uh, unlike yeah. we've uh, we've seen it Um many many years um staying still don't changing that's the thing that's going to kill you you need to be uh, adapting and you know that sort of shock that that sort of wake-up call i think um was needed in a way because the world around us was changing even though people in the industry may felt it was just fine to organize the same kind of event as last year why would you change anything We felt as an event tech company, it was really hard to sell Mm -hmm. something new because something new was scary. And the payoff of something new for the customer, the organizer, Mm -hmm. um, was not clear. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why would you take the risk of investing in something for which you're not even sure, like what the outcome would be? Mm -hmm. So that mindset sort of shake up was needed and I think is good for the industry, because, okay, we now, we now pretty much know how to deal with um, well, with a pandemic, I would say. So the next time a pandemic comes on, if it's not, God forbid, hopefully not again, but uh, especially if it's not too far ahead, we'll still remember all the best practices from now. But I think the, the more fundamental thing that has changed is the, the mindset change of, okay, other things may be changing as well. And what actually is changing to question that what actually has changed out of our view, which we may not have been aware of, mm-hmm. and then trying to talk, you know, go, it usually starts with gathering data, which is not always as, let's say, scientific as just reading out a sensor, or, but it's more about talking to people, asking mm. the right questions, and then yeah. building your, your, uh, your new understanding of, of what's needed in this day and age. Mm. Um, that's, that's what you do. And and we've we've spoken at, at length
0: on the podcast, particularly towards the latter part of of twenty twenty and early twenty one, um, as we were creeping towards the end of the first year of of, of the pandemic. Um, about the shock, the shock to the system—not not just for the events industry, but for all businesses, because all businesses are guilty, I think, of of, of not wanting to instigate significant change for fear that it will disrupt their ongoing business too much. Mm -hmm. You know, most businesses want to, as I said, make subtle changes, refinements, you know, carefully tweak and slightly change and improve their practices for fear that a significant change could disrupt what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And loads of people, particularly the, the, the tech companies like Conference Compass, could see the event organizers needed to embrace new technology and, and think about things in a different way in order to comply with the, the requirements and the demands really I suppose of the modern world and it took something as significant as a pandemic to, to shock them into having to do that because they had no choice and um, I've said this for a year or so now that you know we will if we're not doing it already we will certainly look back on this not, not with with fondness, because it was a not a great situation. But certainly, we will realize in years to come that actually, it it was a blessing in some ways, because it shocked everybody, like as you termed it, into into making that significant change and realizing actually it could benefit their business. And and anal- an analogy that I'd like to sort of draw comparison to is is um, I've seen a couple of shops and bars near where I live in the last year or so that have signs in their windows still saying. Uh, cash apologies cash only Mm -hmm. and i asked one of them why do you take what what, why why have you not got you know contactless payment or you know what that's how everyone pays now why do you cash well i don't want to pay the fees associated with having the machine there Mm -hmm. because it's going to cost me money as a business
1: Yeah.
0: yeah rather than seeing it the other way around which is i make that investment in the technology and actually it will attract more business in because it will increase my audience, the potential audience of people. It's the wrong way of looking at it. And I think that events before the pandemic with the shopkeeper who only takes cash and they've had to move it, it, they've had to make that investment.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a good analogy. It, it reminds me of, I guess, of a feeling I uh, we've been guilty of as well. Um, the feeling that if you have something good going, um the risk um mm-hmm. the risk of changing is is seems high um and um so we've always in our culture in our company culture we've always um we've always wanted to instill a sense of urgency of um not like a red race not like making everyone crazy and, sure. and and go to burnout but um we always like in practice we always invest um, in our product development, um, um, uh, as much as we can afford. So we we have obviously we have a buffer. We need to take care of continuity of the business, mm-hmm. but we don't like a big big buffer. So we want to we want to make sure that we that we that we go on. Well, that also um, uh, instills this sense of urgency that there needs to be a payoff uh, and that it needs to. Um, and that it needs to lead to, let's say, a good evolution of our product into things that we can sell and that comp- like that, that our customers are are, mm. are needed for. That in turn instills an urgency that we need to have our eyes and ears open and listen to them and not be complacent into just thinking that we understand. So there's this whole sequence of of I think mindsets that that follows from. Our decision as a as a company to to be um, to be aggressive in a way in the way we where uh, we push our product development. Mm-hmm. So um, that has always kept it on edge. That has always made sure that we that we felt an urgency to to do uh, the right things, and that has helped us. I very much believe at the start of the pandemic to 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 not do anything radical. just to push that further because the urgency was even greater and we knew how to deal with urgency and how we needed to listen and how we needed to uh take facts at at face value and and discuss them and study them and draw our own conclusions Mm -hmm. um so um i think the death of our company would be if we would in a way and it sounds paradoxical if we would flourish so well that we think okay just we got it we understand it we know <laughs> how everything works let's just take it easy and just you know let's write this one out this is we have something great going on i mean that will work for a year or two but then we will lose the culture of being you know on edge of uh, of being uh, let's say ur- <laughs> the urgency of being smart and trying to always continue and, and improve
0: yeah uh, it's it's I I, I'm 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 grinning slightly because you use the word paradoxical and I've just written on my note here paradox Mm -hmm, and 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 the paradox that I see with certainly with the event tech industry and with event tech suppliers is that we're talking about adaptability today so your platform has to be adaptable enough to be able to shift and you know be chameleon like I suppose depending on the client's requirements But similarly, you also don't just want to have to change your entire platform for every different client that you work with. You've got to have a certain amount of faith and confidence in the platform and the technology that you have built as a as a a business to be able to say to clients, look, this is the solution as we see it, and we are confident in this. So it's that interesting balance. I don't know if it's paradox or balance between having faith in your product and what you have designed and the level of flexibility that's required in order to meet the demands of the clients you're working with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think there are three levels here. So first level is we've talked about that sort of our company culture and how we, um, adapt, how, how we always listen and adapt our platform. So on that level, there is, uh, maybe not a paradox, but there is a, a, a tension between two forces. So the one force mm-hmm. of wanting stability and just, you know, we have something good, let's not yeah. change because we also don't want to destabilize the platform. On the other hand, go fast and listen to customers. The other tension is between standardizing and adding more and, and making things easy as a result, versus uh, build, building in more dials and buttons to, to to customize the platform, inevitably making it more complicated mm-hmm. to operate. Mm-hmm. That's the that's a, a, a clear tension that we've had since the day we started, because we 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 know we can only have good um, prices into the market, like good a good price model, mm-hmm. uh, and be affordable to our customers. If we standardize a lot, on the other hand, we also uh, know that every event, every good event, has its own character and has its own identity and needs to be and needs a platform that's adaptable and adjustable. Also, because events itself is a term that's so wide, like we we go from corporate events to to uh, to scientific conferences, medical conferences. These yeah. are vastly different kind of kind of events and our platform in over years has evolved to cater both of them really, really well. Mm-hmm. So that's one level one. The other level is uh, of how our platform uh, is, um, is 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 um, is able to allow customers to be adaptable. So um, our that level is about, our platform offering solutions to customers not who are not sure should our event go fully in person they may a lot of our customers are like we very much hope so mm-hmm. but also faced with the reality and the uncertainty of okay there's probably going to be another wave but is it going to be significant is it going to affect us uh, to the to the level that we've been affecting the last year how should we how should we approach that uncertainty that's where our platform comes in offering solutions to customers to set up the platform in a way and being able to shift easily from fully virtual, from fully in-person to fully virtual or anything in between. And there are a couple of other um, uh, tools that we've built into allow that, for instance, allowing speakers to pre-record their presentations um, so that the content is all captured and that you have all that content in case a speaker is unable to travel if you were planning mm-hmm. for in-person or if the um and and by the way in in with like um two birds with one stone also a, um uh, tackle the the, the age-old um, um problem of conference organizers of no shows so, okay the people of the person course, of course, yeah. really committed yeah. to traveling to the yeah. conference yeah. with their oral presentation or their poster and their not there and then you have a gap in the program or you have a gap on the in the post yeah, board, yeah and it's yeah, just yeah. terrible so okay great so um and having the content available as well for on-demand watching afterwards is uh, something we've used we've got used to many of our clients got addicted to almost after the pandemic all the content was captured and it was there fantastic without any additional investment of on-site av of so course. now capturing allowing on our platform to to capture the speaker's Recordings in advance, you have all of that stuff. Uh, also, after the event, even if the event was in person and you didn't, you 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 didn't go for the full AV mm-hmm. recording equipment with all the uh, all the all the staffing. Mm-hmm. So there is the adaptability on that level as well. So our mm-hmm. platform, our feature set is you know rich, and even if it wouldn't evolve, it would still allow our customers to be uh, adaptable uh, in that yeah. sense.
0: And always, I always think it's particularly. Um, Pertinent that we call those recordings, you know, anything that we generate out of platforms like Conference Compass, in terms of videos, you know, um, on-demand content, we refer to them as assets. And of course, you know, it, it, from a financial point of view, you would refer to an asset as asset as anything that has financial value to you—a property, a car, you know, hardware, you know, in a business. You know, what? Give us a list of your assets. You know, and, and I think it's it, it it's particularly pertinent that we refer to them as assets that are generated from these, because that's that that's how people should be viewing them, isn't it? That these offer, you know, financial value. Um, and that's really, mm-hmm. I think, one of the biggest messages that that was pushed by the tech companies to event organisers is look at all of this. It's not just content. View it as an asset. View it as something of value that you can actually turn into revenue if you use it correctly.
1: Absolutely. I mean, assets. Um, I think for many event planners is the content on the one hand, and the and the attendees, the communities on the other hand, the engagement between uh, between them. So it's those two critical elements uh, that make or break and make or break an event, and that's actually the whole reason for existing mm-hmm. of of, uh, of our industry: content yeah. and people.
0: It is. It is, and on on the subject of people, there's something I'd like to ask you. So we're, we're getting towards the end of time on on today's episode, but um, it, it it's to do with 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 young people and um, I, I, some something I've been thinking about recently uh, because I have a, a son who is 16 years old. He's just about to do all his his exams at the end of his his secondary education before he then goes to two years of, of, you know, studying in college and then potentially university. So in five years' time, he'll be 21 and he'll be entering probably the world of work and, and looking for a career and a job somewhere. But at 16 years old, he can go onto pretty much any type of platform on his mobile phone or on his laptop and he will be able to use it within a matter of minutes. You know, mm-hmm. there's just an intuitive nature because children of that age have grown up now using touchscreens, using laptops, using intuitive platforms. Uh, I, I'm curious as to whether or not in five years' time, when the young people who are 16 now are entering the world of events, for example, using platforms like Conference Compass, is there going to be a sudden jump in the skill set of the people who are using those who are working for event organisers? They're going to get it so much quicker with... Far much less training required to understand the platform. That suddenly you're going to see in this jump of usability, where people are getting loads more out of their technology just because of the skill set of the young people who are then
1: potentially using it. That's a super interesting thought. Yeah, that's absolutely a trend that supports uh, the event tech uh, side of things. Right. So, so just the more the way of growing up with technology in general and how you use that in like this intuition almost to uh mm-hmm. to use and apply all of that into, into better hands for from from our perspective as, as customers mm-hmm. but also for our, us as a company like i'm now 40 years old turning 41 very soon so i can't pretend any longer to be the younger generation <laughs> right that's that's something I, yeah. I can no longer pretend to be me and uh, you both and, uh, yeah right so <laughs> Uh, and actually if you look in our company we we have i think a wide a nice range of of um 20, 20 year olds to um, 45 50 50 year olds um and it's absolutely crucial to not treat the younger generation as i guess the interns and the juniors who just need to listen and do what they're being told no quite the opposite right to 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 see them as assets and to see them as some um as a as an as a learning opportunity for Mm -hmm. for the rest of us. I think then we go back sort of to go full circle to adaptability, um, to always keep your eyes and your ears open and to not live your life, your professional life, your personal life on the basis of assumptions that you think are just, and cannot be challenged, can never be challenged. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to see professional life, personal life as a journey with uh, so many opportunities and so many exciting things ahead of us if only we have our eyes open and see what's (laughs) right in front of us I think that's a great note to uh, to to end the podcast because I think there's lots of optimism uh, in uh, in in our industry of what uh, the pandemic and everything else also the climate crisis uh, is is enabling us to do uh, to provide just a, a better future
0: you're absolutely right to end with the word optimistic in, in one of your final sentences, because that is that is very much where we are a, a, as an industry um, at the moment. You know, a, a, there is a great sense of optimism and enthusiasm and positivity, um, which, you know, we we commend everybody who's working in the, in the industry at the moment on on those sort of attitudes. And, and and you know, the events that I've been to, the people that I've spoken to and fortunate enough to speak to on the podcast That is overwhelmingly the impression that i get from from everybody that's involved so yes you're you're quite right to say that uh, as we wrap up today's episode yelma we've been talking on the podcast today to yelma vanast who is the ceo and founder at conference compass who has joined us today from his base over in the hague in the netherlands um if you want to find out a little bit more about what those guys are up to uh, conference-compass.com is the website um head over there and you can find about what you know what the guys are up to um there are uh, social links and connections to linkedin and things off the website there so if you want to find out a bit more about conference compass and what yelma and his team are up to conference hyphen compass Dot com is the website. And that website is being displayed on the screen at the moment. So if you are watching this already on the Event Industry News website, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you whenever you're tuning into this. Uh, don't forget that you can listen to audio versions of all of our podcasts just by going to wherever you get your podcasts from on your mobile device. Of course, if you're already doing that and you are listening to us today, well, hello to you. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget that you could go in the opposite direction over to Event Industry news.com and tune into video versions of all of our podcasts as well as finding out about the latest news features supplements everything that's going on in the events industry in all of those different sectors festivals conferences trade shows in the world of tech um, and uh, find out what companies like conference compass are up to by following some of the links to the great suppliers that are on the event industry news.com website Oh uh, thanks again Yelma thanks for uh, for joining us this morning enjoy the rest of your day we will no doubt see you soon either on a forthcoming episode or at uh, one of our event tech live events but for now we come to the end of today's episode of the event industry news podcast it's been a pleasure as always and we'll see you on the next edition goodbye everybody